Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, The Word Became Flesh. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. In our previous episode titled, God Speaks by His Son, A Direct Communication from Him, Part 2, posted December 13th, we looked at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. The expository notes with practical observations on the New Testament by William Burkett commentary explains the concept of God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son not only being the same, but very real, yet different individuals. Commentary read, The Son is the same essence with the Father, yet a person really distinct from the Father, brightly shines forth in Christ, His Son. Of special note here is the impressive oneness of God the Father in Jesus Christ the Son, while fully maintaining separate and clear distinctions of character and identity. As a final reminder, this week is the last of our Christmas messages. This episode is our final before the Christmas holiday. It too dovetails the Christmas theme as it is not a story found in the Bible more directly associated with Christmas. However, we will study this passage this year as our final episode in our Christmas series. Our scripture reference reads, And the Word became flesh, and tabernacled among us. And we beheld His glory, glory as of an only begotten from the Father, full of grace and of truth. John chapter 1, verse 14. The first sentence in my Bible reads, And the Word became flesh, and tabernacled among us. The second usage of the word and at the start of the second sentence signifies the second of two sections of the total thought. First, let's look at and the word became flesh. On this point, commentary tells us, the same word of whom so many things are said in the preceding verses and is no other than the Son of God or second person in the Trinity, for neither the Father nor the Holy Ghost were made flesh, as is here said of the Word, but the Son only, and, quote, flesh, end quote, here signifies not a part of the body, nor the whole body only, 
but the whole human nature, consisting of a true body and a reasonable soul, and is so called to denote the frailty of it, being encompassed with infirmities, though not sinful, and to show that it was a real human nature and not a phantom or appearance that he assumed. And when he is said to be, quote, made, end quote, flesh, this was not done by the change of one nature into another, the divine into the human, or the word into a man, but by the assumption of the human nature, the word taking it into personal union with himself, whereby the natures are not altered. Christ remained what he was and became what he was not. From the new John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible. Wow! Let us examine that last part of that commentary passage. For clarity, it read, When he is said to be, quote, made, end quote, flesh, this was not done by the change of one nature into another, the divine into the human, or the word into a man, but by the assumption of the human nature, the word taking it into personal union with himself, whereby the natures are not altered. Christ remained what he was and became what he was not. Notice that last comment. The natures are not altered. Christ remained what he was and became what he was not. While that may be beyond your ability to fully comprehend, it is an amazing thing that only Christ could do to be and always have been a spiritual entity, to also embrace sinless flesh, such as Adam and Eve before their fall, simultaneously in the living, in such a way that touching his flesh with your hand was also to touch God himself. That thought alone is powerfully astounding. We know he was born of Mary as any other child we are able to see born of a human mother. Yet, he was also God. Both entities in one body living and working homogeneously as one. Probably, that is a poor assessment to explain Christ as he was on this earth, but I think you understand what I am trying to describe to you. Commentary continues, referring to both his fleshly self and heavenly self. It reads, Nor are they confounded and blended together, and so make a third nature. Nor are they separated and divided, so as to constitute two persons, a divine person and an human person, 
but are so united as to be but one person. And this is such an union as can never be dissolved and is the foundation of the virtue and efficacy of all Christ's works and actions as mediator. Now let us pause a moment and get the full and real meaning of the word mediator, even though we may know its meaning. It has three meanings or references of meaning. They are one that interposes between parties at variance for the purpose of reconciling them. One, by way of eminence, Christ is the mediator, the divine intercessor, through whom sinners may be reconciled to an offended God. Now, notice this next meaning with respect to what we are studying. Two, Christ is a mediator by nature, as partaking of both natures, divine and human, and mediator by office, as transacting matters between God and man. From Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary of American English I do not think it gets any more clear than that. I think. That simplifies all that was just said in our previous portion of commentary. There is no third person. There was no divided entities as making two persons in one body. One divine and one human. No new third entity. Both entities were so united as to be one person. Of which commentary said, quote, are so united as to be but one person. And this is such an union as can never be dissolved and is the foundation of the virtue and efficacy of all Christ's works and actions as mediator. If that strains, pressures, your ability to understand fully, you are not alone. This can be very difficult to understand fully. We live in a world where everything is developed from sound principle to explain what we presently cannot explain. Hopefully, this is very clear at this point. I am truly helpless to make it any more clear than I already have. Looking at the second portion of this first sentence, in verse 14 we read, And tabernacled among us. On this, commentary says, He, quote, dwelt among us, end quote, meaning, He lived in our physical presence. Both are the same with respect to the physical and better understanding of Christ's presence here on earth. However, the verse translation, and tabernacled among us, is a more intimate depiction of Christ with his people, at any time in history as well as this present world. Commentary reads with respect to this as follows. Solomon's temple 
which was also a type of Christ, was dedicated at the time of that feast, and it seems probable that our Lord was born at that time, for as he suffered at the time of the Passover, which had respect unto him, and the pouring forth of the Spirit, capital S, was on the very day of Pentecost, which that prefigured, so it is highly probable that Christ was born at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, which pointed out his dwelling among us, and is therefore very pertinently hinted at when mention is here made of his incarnation. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible In the New English Translation, it reads, and took up residence among us. The words residence and tabernacled are very similar with respect to relating his intimacy with humankind. Commentary further reads, The word in the original denotes, quote, dwelt as in a tabernacle or tent, end quote, and some have supposed that John means to say that the human body was a tabernacle or tent for the Logos to abide in. In allusion to the tabernacle among the Jews, in which the Shekinah, or visible symbol of God, dwelt. But it is not necessary to suppose this. The object of John was to prove that, quote, the word, end quote, became incarnate. To do this, he appeals to various evidences. One was that he dwelt among them, sojourned with them, ate, drank, slept, and was with them for years, so that they saw him with their eyes, they looked upon him, and their hands handled him. To dwell in a tent with one is the same to be in his family. And when John says he tabernacled with them, he means that he was with them as a friend and as one of a family, so that they had full opportunity of becoming familiarly acquainted with him and could not be mistaken in supposing that he was really a man. From Barnes' New Testament Notes That last commentary passage better describes this concept of taking up residence with us and for it to be so intimate that it was the same as tabernacled with us. I like the phrase, quote, took up residence among us, end quote. It has a better sense of daily life with Christ instead of once a week, as could be suggested by him tabernacling with us. Such is the course of modern definition and how word definition and even word interpretation can change with the passing of time. Notice also, in reference to those days, what commentary said. Quote, to dwell in a tent with someone is the same as 
to be in his family. End quote. Let us stop a moment and notice the meaning of the word tent. The meaning is, when using the word tent as a verb transitive, it means to give or pay attention to or to heed. From the Free Dictionary by Farlex, found on the Internet. So, for Christ to live in us, inside us, to tabernacle with us, or live with us as in a tent, it means he gives and pays attention to us. How awesome is that? Is that not true to his nature and what Scripture tells of him in dwelling in us? On this, notice what commentary said. Some have supposed that John means to say that the human body was a tabernacle or tent for the Logos, Christ, to abide in. To dwell in a tent with one is the same as to be in his family. When John says he tabernacled with them, he means that he was with them as a friend and as one of a family. On this subject, this gives us three things to examine more fully. 1. Some have supposed that John means to say that the human body was a tabernacle or tent for the Logos to abide in. This is further supported by our more modern understanding. It is how many of us have witnessed to others. If you become saved, Christ, God, will live within you and give you eternal life. In some way, does that sound familiar? Have you witnessed to someone that way? In the United States, many of us have indeed. 2. To dwell in a tent with one is the same as to be in his family. Today, we do not think or even suppose in such a way as to call anyone dwelling with us in our house family. Unless they have direct relation by family tree, we do not, in these modern times, call such a person a family member. However, in a church body means of thinking, this works. Does not Scripture call us brothers and sisters? Are not brothers and sisters part of the same family? And 3. When John says he, Jesus, tabernacled with them, he means that he was with them as a friend and as one of a family, thereby, at the very least, suggesting, if not fully stating, a oneness with Christ and mankind that can only happen this way. Can you see how intimate our relationship with Christ is? Can you see how intimate our relationship with each other is supposed to be? If this relationship is as great as is confirmed here in this study, would you let anything rob you of such deep relationship and friendship 
with both Christ and your brothers and sisters? Are we going to allow the likes of anything, even coronavirus, to steal this relationship from us? Will we allow fear to overcome the solid love that relationship with our Savior has built? What of that with our brothers and sisters, too? All questions we need answers to so we can go forward in Christ even in such times as these. Now, let's look at the second portion of John, chapter 1, verse 14. It reads, We saw his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth, who came from the Father. We should note, while a complete thought, it has four sections. The first is more of a statement when it reads, we saw his glory. Next, a comma and then three truths. One, the glory of the one and only. Two, full of grace and truth. Three, who came from the Father. Obviously, this passage is speaking of Jesus. So let us dig a bit deeper. Commentary reads, We beheld his glory the glory of his divine nature, which is essential to him, and underived, is equal to the Father's glory, is transcendent to all creatures, and is ineffable and incomprehensible, so breakings forth of which there were in his incarnate state, and which were observed by the evangelist and his companions, who, in various instances, saw plainly that Christ was possessed of divine perfections, such as omniscience and omnipotence, since he knew the thoughts of the heart and could do the things he did. His father declared him to be his beloved son, and the miracles he wrought and the doctrines he taught manifested forth his glory and not only there were some beams of his glory at his transfiguration, which were seen by the apostles, among which the evangelist John was one, and to which he may have here a particular reference. But even at his apprehension and death, and especially at his resurrection from the dead, the Jews speak of the glory of the Messiah to be seen in the world to come. This, our evangelist and the other disciples of Christ have seen. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. The top portion of that commentary passage requires examination. It read, We beheld his glory, the glory of his divine nature, which is essential to him, and underived, is equal to the Father's glory, is transcendent to all creatures, and is ineffable and incomprehensible. First, let us look at the meaning of the word ineffable. It means incapable of being expressed, indescribable, or unutterable 
too great or intense to be expressed in words. From the Free Dictionary by Farlex, found on the Internet. Let us read again what commentary said with the word meaning for ineffable instead. We beheld his glory, the glory of his divine nature, which is essential to him and underived is equal to the Father's glory, is transcendent to all creatures, and is incapable of being expressed, indescribable or unutterable, too great or intense to be expressed in words, and incomprehensible. All that effectively defines His glory. It is such a sight, such a state of being that it defies description on human terms. Imagine, when we are saved by His grace and power, He tabernacles with us. We are His tent in which He resides, even deep inside, and yet His glory still defies our verbal ability for a description. It is therefore something only one can see for themselves by receiving Christ as your Savior. What a Christmas gift that is. Despite the global pandemic in this Christmas season, we wish you all a great and Merry Christmas. While it is definitively a Christmas like no other in our lifetime, we hope and pray that there may well be some source of joy for you all. Again, Merry Christmas to you all. Next week, we will close out the 2020 year. We will make note of some of our successes and where we plan to go in 2021. Next week, listen to our last episode for 2020 titled, May 2021 Be a Happier New Year. Play or download next week's episode from one of our podcast hosts or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. We greatly appreciate our audience. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners, followers, and new listeners. Thank you all so much. We are very pleased to serve a diverse international audience. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners, followers, and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. 
please find a short link to our episode titled How to Be Saved at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled Introduction About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. Find our website at unchurched.site123.me. Our mobile, tablet, and desktop compliant website has more information, links to all our podcast platforms, and more. Find direct links to all our platforms under the podcast menu item. We are found on podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, or Spotify, to name a few. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh, East Coast Time, USA. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast RSS feed platforms. Find us on a preferred platform to follow us as we continue to grow. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.